Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the Daily Coffee. Today is Wednesday, July, uh, January 8th, 2020. This is our second podcast of the new year, and uh, we're using new tech, so still bear with us, although I'm back at home, and I'm back with my original setup, so that's good. We're just trying out Skype again, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Hello, Carter. How are you? I'm well, Carrie. How are you doing? It, it's, it's, it's good. It's, the tech is good. The tech is good? Yeah. Well, you know how I'm doing. But... I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry for asking. I didn't mean to ask you. That's okay. Um, personal heartbreak, whatever. Let's, get, let's move on with the show. Yeah. I, we, should, I should, we should say, um, I apologize for not having a show yesterday. We had some scheduling snafus, and then I had a very brief window when I could do it, and something came up during that window for Carrie, so we couldn't do it then, and then I wasn't available later. So you, what are, you, are you laughing over there? <laughs> something came up for Carrie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, something okay. came up for Carrie. Let's talk about uh, this Dave Rubin stuff, because I've got to... We've got to make it short today, people. I have yeah, to I wanted I wanted to talk about this Dave Rubin thing. Um, let me let's see if I can pull it up here. Hold on for a second. So here's the tweet from Dave Rubin. So on New Year's Eve, this why I want to talk about this. Or I guess on New Year's Day, um, Dave Rubin tweeted this little thread, and he said, three, Do you want to read it, Carrie, or do you want me to? I don't care." Uh, let's see if I can read it. This things are in different places for me here uh, than on Zoom. Okay, I love this thread. I'm so glad you sent it to me. Um, he says, "2020, a thread. Three years ago, I said 2017 would be the year of fake outrage. Two years ago, I said 2018 would be the year of unusual alliances. Last year, I said that 2019 would be the year it got weirder." My prediction is that 2020 will be the implosion of the intersectional socialists. So I like this already. Um, what some of us started seeing and talking about five years ago has now burst forth into the mainstream zeitgeist, the depressing leftist view of the world where victimhood is virtue, where immutable characteristics matter more than personal choice, and where collective, the collective is more important than the individual is about to come to its inevitable conclusion. Gee, I hope so. <laughs> it's a movement driven by faux outrage, which burns hot, but fortunately also burns out. That's the stage we're gonna hit in 2020. It's a shiny package that has tricked many young people into thinking that up is down, down good is bad, and men are women. It's racism, sexism, and bigotry masked as tolerance and diversity. But this oppression Olympics can't hold because competing interests of victimhood don't make us stronger, they divide us. It's a house of cards and it will come crashing down on itself in 2020 because emotion of the election will be too much for it to bear. It will be a spectacular overdue destruction and perhaps true liberalism will banish intersectional democratic socialism to the children's table where it belongs. Now the fun part, alongside this meltdown there is going to be a rebirth. Many of you have seen it already taking place. This is true. I say this, this is Carrie saying this is true. A new alliance of conservatives, libertarians, classical liberals, Trump supporters, and independents has been coming together. They agree to disagree, and they honestly fight for what they believe in. They're proud of America. They want to continue our great traditions of freedom and liberty. Journalists, in quotes, 
and activists have fueled outrage mobs to silence us, but this is the year that good people come out of the political closet. A renewed American spirit is on the horizon, and there's nothing they can do to stop it. It's based on personal responsibility, individual rights, and limited government. It's your life. Go get it. The only question is, will you decide to get in the game? Roaring 20s, here we go. This makes me excited. Yeah, Dave Rubin. <laughs> you really oh. like this. You really like this, right? I love this. Thank you for letting me read it. <laughs> um, why do you love it so much? Because it's, uh, it's positive. It, is, uh, it speaks to something that feels true to me. Although we've talked, you and I have had this conversation offline before about are things getting better? Are they not? You actually voiced some of this to me over a year ago where you said you felt that the SJW ideology was in its death throes. Yes. And I'm like, really? Um, but, but I like it because it's encouraging. I, I have seen a lot of these things happening myself, like he's talking about, these, these new alliances that are being formed. The, this idea that, um, that all of us in the middle, and, and in the middle, I mean the left, the right, the actual middle, the centrist, the libertarians, whatever, all of us have so much more in common than we do with the extremists on the end. And it's time for us to realize that. And, and like, I have so much more in common with a Trump voter than I do with an SJW at this point. And so it's like that is, that is powerful. And the, I like his prediction that you're going to see. We've already seen people coming out of the closet. We've seen people getting over their fear of speaking against this belief system. This year has already been running that running towards that. We've seen. And let's look back at 2019. We saw Dave Chappelle's comedy, and culturally, we saw Dave Chappelle's comedy special where he was basically, I don't care, I'm unwoke, right? We saw, we just saw Ricky Gervais at the beginning of the year do a completely unwoke takedown of the Hollywood elites and of woke culture. Uh, people are sick of it, and I think the culture is changing, and I hope he's right that this is the year that it dies because it all, it, it's all, what he's talking about is that victimhood is when it's all about competing victimhood, then it inevitably collapses. And I've seen that on the small scale. I saw that happen um, at a college in uh, Los Angeles. I can't, uh, oh, at UCLA. I, I should find this news article. But it was about a, they had a conference, and the, the news article was about how everything completely broke down because everyone in the room starts bickering about who's more oppressed. Well, <laughs> that's what this is on a large scale, right? Yep. So there's my yeah. rant. No, no, I, I, I think I largely agree with that. Um, I like the sentiment of what he's saying, and I, I do agree that maybe the on the surface, the, like the the kind of woke intersectional ideology will collapse, like the oppression Olympics kind of can't survive. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think he's being a little bit more optimistic than I would be, but I'm the curmudgeon, so um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know. Um, if um, I guess this is the way I look at this, the woke. So I guess I guess this is where I start to depart from Dave Rubin. He starts to talk at the end here. Let me look back at the end here. At the end, he starts to talk about um, like a renewed America and a renewed American spirit, and personal responsibility, individual rights, and limited government. He talks about um, collectivism being um, even at the beginning. He talks about the collective is more important than the individual and this is the thing that that defines the intersectionalist and while that's true that the intersectionalist woke people are collectivists yeah social justice doesn't have a monopoly on collectivism and collectivism is not new 
Um, and it hasn't, and if this woke ideology falls apart, it's not falling apart because we've successfully vanquished or discredited collectivism philosophically. Um, so I, I think just as someone who's not been a collectivist for a very long time, um, I think that this per, this current instance of like woke social justice, intersectional culture, this oppression Olympics, um, this is just one manifestation of how collectivist philosophy can manifest, but it's not the only manifestation of collectivist philosophy. And I think it's likely that that will fall apart and kind of go away. Uh, but I think underneath it, there's always been for a large segment of the population, there's this, um, there's collectivism and it's, and it's been, it usually wears this facade of like do good, do goodism and empathy and, 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 just the woke movement just like shrugged like they sloughed that mask off that mask is gone the facade's gone and they're more obviously authoritarian and i think collectivism is authoritarianism inherently um and so but when i look at this i guess the reason i'm less than like super excited about it is like okay i get that there there's probably going to be a, a a little implosion of the super woke craziness but carrie and we've talked about this before all of academia is overrun with collectivists. All the media is overrun with collectivists. Right. Journalism is overrun with authoritarians. Um, it's way easier to be a propagandist than to do actionable journalism, so that's not going to oh, change. Right. Yeah. Um, right? There's lots of cronyism. Um, the cathedral still exists, and it's a cathedral primarily driven by collectivism, not by this particular uh, version or this particular flavor of, of collectivism. So... Um, I don't think, so he makes this comment that says this is driven by faux outrage. I don't think it is. Faux outrage is a symptom, but it's not driven by faux outrage. No, what, I agree. Okay. I right? agree. It's, it's, it's driven, driven by, by like this corrupt anti-individualist collectivist philosophy. That's what And it's I would argue by. it's driven by get down to like the human emotions or the human condition that drives it. It's driven by resentment. I totally agree with you. It's driven, like, psychologically, it's coming from a resentment. Um, yeah, and I don't see that going away. Do you? No, it's driven by resentment and um, a thirst for, a, like, a substitution for meaning and purpose. People right. who don't have meaning and purpose in, a, in an nihilistic world, in a, they don't have anything to believe in. And it gives them something. It gives them something to, that they, to believe in, something awful. But um, it fills that role. So I don't see those things going away. I don't see resentment going away, and I don't see people um, like I don't, I don't see people finding true meaning, like on mass finding true meaning and purpose. I do see. I do see a lot of people finding it lately, though. I I think that's really. I see people searching it out. You know. Yes, and we see like I think Jordan Peterson is an example of like searching out purpose and meaning. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why he's resonated with people. Um, but uh, but we haven't. But what's not happening is we're not vanquishing collectivism. We're not like what's happening. There's not this. There's not this uh, pushback. There is a pushback against woke ideology, but it's not a hey collectivism is stupid pushback. It's a you've kind of gone too far with the oppression Olympics. Um, so they're going to get tamped down, but you know, I've, the, the category that I forgot to mention earlier is like all the tech is also a bunch of collectivist authoritarians. So, uh, and, and by the way, I, yeah. I almost use collectivism and authoritarianism almost interchangeably because they certainly all collectivism is a version of authoritarianism. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, all tech. You can't, th- you can't enforce collectivism without authoritarianism. Right, right. Yeah. That's that's why I say that, right? Because to be to be um, to be anti-authoritarian is to be individualist like an individualist it's to be like okay i'm going to let people do what they want to be in and to view people as individuals um if you're a collectivist then suddenly you think like this group needs to be like we have to treat people as if they're members of a particular group and do things one way or another and that's all an authoritarian mindset like a a non-authoritarian doesn't think about people in terms of groups and what should be done for them or not right um they, they just let people be themselves um so but like yeah all tech all media all the journalism uh like uh sorry all the academia as well they're all they're all still collectivist so uh i don't know i could see that i could see that this intersectionality um or at least the the crazy part of the wokeness goes but they still got you know they're still indoctrinating kids we still we talk about what's happening even in elementary schools oh it's still going on yeah. yeah, but but that being said, I do think the culture is shifting. So you're still going to have this stuff going on for a while, even just because this is the year that he's talking about it falling. I think I think if he's right, if he's right, we will look back and say it takes a while, right? But that was the year it fell. That was the year that culturally, definitively, people rejected it. And then it started beating, we started beating, but, but the apparatus of like putting it into schools, that they've built a crazy apparatus to get it out there. And that apparatus is still there and they're still working to put it. You know, I met someone at, um, it, it's not just, it, so you've got, you've got the government apparatus, which is in some cases working to indoctrinate, to push this in schools. But then you've also got all these tons of nonprofit, nonprofits, um, that people work for that are pushing it. And I think I told you about the guy I met um, at a film festival in Austin just this past year who his whole job is to do what we've been talking about. He, he pushes um, uh, what he calls LGBT positive videos into elementary schools and kindergartens. It, it, saying, saying, and I'm, for anyone watching who's new to the show, I have no problem with LGBT, I have no problem with anti-bullying videos, but what they're doing in a lot of these cases is they're pushing in ideological material under the um, under the guise of it being anti-bullying stuff. They're teaching that biological sex isn't real, like to kindergartners and, and first graders, and they're teaching about uh, gender identity, which is uh, which is up for debate if that's even you know a thing. They're teaching about this stuff to children, and they're saying that it's part of an acceptance and tolerance and anti-bullying thing, and it's not. So uh, that's all that that apparatus is still there, and they're still going to be pushing stuff into schools. But I think I think I think probably what he means is that this will be the year when people culturally the culture rejects it. I hope that's what happens. Yeah, I kind I think I still kind of look at this a little bit differently, right? Because (laughs) okay, (laughs) sorry, Uh, because um, he uh, he's ignoring. I think I think what's being ignored here is. This like this ideology didn't just spring up out of nowhere. It's and it's not just getting in the schools. All of the groundwork for this has been in the schools and institutions forever. And this ideology is not a this is not a counterculture movement which is being crushed by culture. This is a pro-establishment culture movement. Like they again, 
huge corporations, government, like huge institutions, they like they've taken over the positions of power. And so I think what you're seeing is you are seeing a resistance uh, uh, from the current culture. I agree. I think they played their hand too soon. Um, maybe Trump kind of uh, scared them into like revealing their cards too too soon, and yes, people are not happened. ready for this, right? Yeah, they ramped it up. Right, but but that doesn't mean that it's dead by any means. It just means that okay, uh, you know, you can say, well, this is the year it's going to die because the culture rejects it. But like the culture is being built in schools, in academia, like in journalism. That's where the culture gets built. That's where it gets constructed. So the people that are rejecting it now are people from a previous culture who are looking at this and going. This is not individualism. This is not America. This is not what I want. And they're rejecting it. But um, next generation, that's not going to be their reaction. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I, wait, you're saying the next generation is not going to reject it? Right. Because they're being, they're being indoctrinated now with it. Like they're, they're, they're being indoctrinated. But see, part of me thinks that the, human spirit is that's exactly why they will reject it because they're being so heavily brainwashed at such a young age that they and they resent that i mean we've already seen that a little bit with gen z with some of these studies that that seem to indicate that generation z is going to be more conservative um, than the millennials more conservative than any generation since the greatest generation possibly and are they're rejecting this identity politics bs um and, and and I think that that's a function of them being able to see we're being told what to think. Like, and, and kids, you know, youth culture is going to necessarily, I think, usually rebel against whatever the status quo is. And so imagine this being, and the, the younger generation who, who's being indoctrinated with this in kindergarten, I think, I think that there's a great chance that that's exactly why they might rebel is because... This is being pushed on them. It's a lot well, like people who grow up in a very fundamentalist religious bubble and are being told this is the way the world is, and and you have you don't get to explore other alternatives, and then they leave. Do you know what I mean? I get that. I mean, and that's much more of a optimistic view. Um, but the fact is, indoctrination works. That's why people do it. True. Um, True. So. And, and I think that the, the kind of, oh, oh, let's, let's imagine there's an invisible hand of collectivism happening or whatever it is, right? Like that, that um, what's dangerous is not the particular intersectional manifestation of it. The, the, it's collectivism as an ideology, which is very dangerous as a philosophy. And so they, they may end up rejecting the particulars of, some of the intersectional craziness, but they those particulars will be built upon a foundation which they were indoctrinated into of collectivism, and I would find it hard to believe that uh, that would be rejected as well. Like, it's hard to reject a way of thinking that you were indoctrinated into. The conclusions you can reject as part of your rebellious thing, but um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't... Maybe I mean I could be wrong, but uh, I don't I don't see that being I'm not as optimistic as Dave Rubin is about that. Mm-hmm. I one you know one thing Kerry he did say towards the end here let me find this towards the end he 
he talked about, um, I have a question for you about this. He says a renewed American spirit is on the horizon and there's nothing they can do to stop it. Um, it's based on personal responsibility, individual rights and limited government. Now I love all that stuff. Although limited, I would say, uh, take the limit to infinity of that government and you, and I'm on, I'm on board with you, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's correctly capturing kind of the opposite maybe of the intersectional or in many ways, it's kind of, that's kind of the opposite of the intersectional movement, the, the woke movement. But I'm, I'm wondering this, I think actually the craziness that's happened on the left, and I'm, I'm curious to your opinion here. I think there's a lot of people from the left and I'll put David Rubin in this category who were formerly on the left. They saw the Democrats go, or the, let's say the left go absolutely authoritarian woke. And they started questioning a lot of what they believed generally. And I think they've actually moved more libertarian than they were before. So uh, I would agree with you because that's been my experience as well. Uh, It's what we talked about in a previous episode about when you're moving but something else is moving. You're trying to figure out how much you're moving in relation to this other moving thing. So uh, I view it as like the left, like Dave Rubin even has a video, I think that's called the left left me or something like that. Um, the left. And I, I that completely resonates with me because I feel like the left left me, the left became something it wasn't. And the left became uh, just, the, the SJW part of the left has cannibalized, has spread like a virus through the, through the mainstream left. And so it's been changing and it changed hard. After Trump was elected, they went way that way. And uh, so that was changing, but, but in recognizing that, I changed. In recognizing that the left was different than what I thought it was and that it always had been, it just hadn't had been that prevalent before and now it's taking over this little tiny sliver of this evil ideology that I thought was good um, is now taking over all of the mainstream left. That awareness caused me to question things, a lot of different things and to realize, I think part of the reason people change is because if you're, if you're an ideologue like I was, you don't even have a lot of opinions. I mean, you do, you speak a lot of opinions, but they're not yours. You're, right. you're saying you're saying things within the tribe what you're supposed to say and so if you start questioning all that stuff and you start trying to make up your own mind about things well you're necessarily probably going to come up with some opinions that are different than what you used to spout because now you're coming to conclusions on your own and you're evaluating and you're trying to evaluate things to be fair and see what you really think and so um, I'd probably I've changed too I, I wouldn't put myself I, I wouldn't call myself a um, the, the way I've been thinking about it recently, which is, I think, helpful for some people when I, when I put it this way, is I became more conservative on personal issues, like on cultural issues, um, but politically, I still consider myself very liberal. And I'm still very liberal on, other, on some cultural issues as well. It's hard to – I don't fit in some neat box anymore, which is a good thing probably. But, um, but yeah. yeah, I definitely have changed. You know, there are things that I used to just co-sign that I now think are wrong. Um, well, yeah. I think you're validating what my theory was, is that was that once people who were kind of just party adherence to the party line, right, once they're forced to kind of question the party line, they start questioning everything about the party line, not just that part of the party line. And, um, and uh, 
you know, these things that he's listing, personal responsibility, individual rights, limited government, those aren't those aren't traditional liberal things. I mean, those aren't leftist things. No, but they're classic. That's classical liberalism. Right. But classical liberalism is libertarianism, which is why I said I think they're start. I think I think David Dave Rubin in particular, I think he has started to move. Even he doesn't he may not call himself a libertarian. I don't know what he calls himself. He probably still a a, probably a a classical liberal. Right. But those things are libertarian things, personal responsibility, individual rights, limited government. Those he's talking in language that much more resonates with the Libertarian Party of 10 years ago, not the Democratic Party of 10 years ago. So but, he's, but he's actually getting, changed. But he's going even further back to the roots of liberalism, like John Stuart Mill. Like he's talking about what liberalism actually is. That's what libertarianism is, right? That's right, why I'm saying libertarianism, that li- libertarians <laughs> called themselves classical liberals for a long time for that very reason, right? So I think he's rediscovering He's rediscovering that the Democratic Party wasn't, that what he thought was liberal wasn't classically liberal. And actually, now he's using language that's kind of more libertarian. He's not calling it libertarian, but that's his language, right? Those are, those are libertarian talking points. Personal responsibility, individual rights, limited government, those are libertarian talking points. Those aren't but, liberal talking points. But what's wrong with calling it classical liberal? That those are classic, those are tenets I'm not, of classical I'm not liberalism. disagreeing that they're classical liberal talking points. Okay. You can call them classical liberal talking points if you want. I'm trying to use language that we all already understand and know, and it's already part of the mainstream. And I'm saying he's moved towards libertarianism. He may label it classical liberalism. I don't give a crap what he calls it. But the language he's using is much more representative of, of what we would think of as libertarian language. Okay. And I'm wondering if that's what's happening generally with people that are on the that were on the left that were kind of questioning and they start to question things and it's very difficult to move like all the way to the right when you start questioning things, if you have the liberal sensibilities, I think you just start realizing parts of the democratic platform and parts of what were on the left weren't actually all that liberal and really you well, kind of maybe re- re- rediscover this classical liberalism, right? Yes, but that's that's why that word is very important to me. I do care what he calls it. I do call it, it is classical, it is classical liberalism. It is what liberalism, it's getting way back to the roots of liberalism and what it really is supposed to be about, which is individuality and freedom of choice and, you know, the, right. the uh, right, but because, freedom of association and all that stuff. Right. And, and it's important to use that word. I'm going to talk over you because I want to, it's important to use that word because they have, they, language is so important to them and destroying what the meaning of things is so important to them. And that's why they try to destroy the meaning of the words racism and sexism and give you new definitions. And that's why they tell you, you know, like, like he said, they've convinced people up is down, down is up, you know, uh, good is evil, evil is good. Um, oh, sorry about the dog. But they, 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 they change the meaning of words. It's very Orwellian. And they have changed the definition of liberals so successfully that I see people who who are SJWs who think that they're liberals and they're not. Yeah, no, and I, and yeah. So I I agree with you. Let me tell you why I'm like it. It's bothersome to me that that like um. Here's why it's bothersome to me, Carrie. Uh, as someone who was a libertarian for a very long time, and now I'm uh, an anarcho-capitalist, but uh, we knew that. We saw you guys steal the word liberal, use it for something else. You destroyed the word liberal. Word liberal. We had to come up with another word. We did. It was libertarian. And now 
It's like <laughs> 30 years later, you're like, hey, that's not liberalism. Yes, it's now called libertarianism. We had to change it because you guys destroyed the word. So please at least acknowledge that. That's all I'm I, saying. I, don't, I didn't know that. So how am I supposed but to we did. Okay, well, you did. But look, I'm late to every party, okay? Just welcome <laughs> me and thank, just say, I'm glad you made it to the party. No, we are. I'm, I'm glad you made it to the party. I am just pointing out, like, you don't have to get too upset when I say these are libertarian principles that he's okay. moving towards. They are. I'm not. They're the same as classical liberal principles. Okay. I didn't we had to that. come up with a new word. Okay. I didn't know that. that that's all. That's all I'm saying. Um, I, guess, uh, I guess the other uh, question I have, Carrie, is what signs would you expect to see this year if there's going to be this destruction of or this implosion of, uh, we'll call it, intersectional ideology, um, wokeism, what would that look like? How would people notice? How will we know if he's right? Uh, I think you are going to start to see, well, because this is about culture first, before it's about politics, um, you're going to see more of these cultural moments where comics like Ricky Gervais, where there's going to be more comedians who start to get some balls and push back. And, uh, there's going to be, there are people like, um, there are going to be musicians who start to push back. I mean, look at Zuby. Zuby is a musician and a fitness, uh, author. And I mean, he's a lot of things, but the thing, the reason people are tuning into him and listening to what he has to say on Twitter, on social media is because he opposes this ideology and he's not afraid to do so. He's actually saying something. Um, and you're going to see those people. I mean, the people who are speaking against it are a lot of them have already amassed large followings. There's a hunger for this. And, uh, I think, you, I don't know. I think you're going to I think you're, we're going to see some other people emerge that we haven't seen yet. Some other names or talents or on, in the cultural area, like whether that's, musicians or comedians or writers or whatever some more but, zoobies yeah there's going to be some more zoobies people that we didn't previously know but there's also going to be some more ricky gervais there's also going to be some more people we already knew who decide enough is enough who come out and start speaking against it if enough because a lot of these people are cowards and uh the more people that talk see first this is what's going to happen and and this is going beyond just this year you get the people who are like, enough is enough. I don't care. I'm going to be fearless. I'm going to speak anyway. Um, and I would argue that you and I, with our even with our small following, we're both in that camp. We both were like, screw the consequences. Right. This is what we want to do. Right. And, yeah. yep. and, and there's a lot of people doing that. I'm starting to see more and more people doing that now, which I love, who are like, screw it. I'm going to be fearless. I'm choosing to do this in my way, whatever that is, pushing back at, at home in conversations or, you know, at school or whatever. Um, but I'm going to start now. And then the more people that do that, as there's a critical mass of people doing that, then you'll start to get at the very end of it, you'll get like all the people who go wherever, whatever's popular, they go there. Like right. the people who are in SJWism now, just because that's what's popular and they don't really care. They're not true believers. They're just, uh, they're in it for themselves, right? Those people will eventually come over too. <laughs> so wait, will, will we start to see, will we start to see Gillette making anti-woke ads? Is that what you think is going to happen? But, uh, probably, but it, that's way down. That's not next, that's not this year. That's not even next year. Cause it's, it'll take a while to catch up. 
Like that'll be if 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 this ideology is completely eviscerated, which I hope it is. Let's imagine a future where it is. Then yes, you will see Gillette kind of poking fun of wokeism, but they're not going to poke fun of wokeism for a few years at least. I don't think. Yeah, when he when he says like this is the year that the cult that that implodes. I mean, I made a short list of like what I would what would look like implosion to me, and one of it would be like some of these non woke comedians like or make in the mainstream or mainstream comedians like coming out as non woke. Um, but I would also expect to see like anti-woke jokes in Hollywood movies, like as a, as a normal thing, I would expect the legacy media commentary to be anti-woke. Um, and, and we would expect campus outrage mobs to at least diminish. I mean, there's always going to be some kind of craziness on campus, but we'd expect the, like the default culture of campuses to be anti-woke. I don't see any of that happening in 2020. Uh, not this year. No, but, but because again, these things lag. And so, I think you'll start to see, hopefully, the. I mean, I would think that the campus climates would start to change before Hollywood changes. And I don't, you know, that that's a big ask. Uh, but uh, because Hollywood is late to, they're late to the party, the woke party. They're always late. Yeah. So they're putting out stuff now. They're putting out all this woke crap now that would have been edgy and new five years ago. Like back when I was first pushing some of my woke comedians, that's when it was edgy and new. And, right. and they're just on this bandwagon now and the public doesn't like it. The public is look, look at uh, rotten tomatoes and look at the SJW critics and how they poo poo anti woke stuff like Chappelle and the public's like, yes, we love that. And <laughs> right. you know, the public doesn't like this woke crap, but Hollywood is still, they're late to the bandwagon and they're going to be late to the anti woke bandwagon too. So, yeah, that's that's true. They're just always late to everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's there's a kind of another aspect of this that I want to talk about, but I think we're running out of time. Right, you have to go to. Oh, I have uh, to go to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. So we should probably wrap it up and say um, thank you to everyone. One thing I forgot to do, Carrie, is uh, just to remind people um, where to follow us. You can follow us on YouTube. You go to BitChute, which is better. Then YouTube, uh, we have an unsafe space page on BitChute. You can also go to our, um, if you just want audio, we're on all the podcast apps, iTunes and all that stuff. Uh, so you can find unsafe space there. Uh, and you can contribute by following, liking, sharing. You can buy merch at unsafespace.com slash shop. You can, what else can you do, Carrie? You can go to uh, Subscribestar and just donate there or become a, an unperson on Subscribestar. We'd love to have you. Am I if, missing you donate, anything, if you donate at the $25 level, you will get a mug, which are, they're coming soon. We're still working on them, but they're coming soon. Yes. The reason they have not arrived yet is a little bit complicated, but they are coming soon. Uh, so, And uh, yeah, just share the video. We, we uh, were really blessed. I feel very grateful that we passed the 1,000 subscriber mark and the 2,000 subscriber mark this past year. And so, uh, yeah. I would love to see us. And then we kind of plateaued a little bit. I would love to see us do a jump. So share us with your friends, pick the least offensive video <laughs> if you're afraid <laughs> and share it with your friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for watching. Really appreciate it. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and we will see you tomorrow. Just as a reminder of our new show formats, we're doing live Kofefis Mondays and Fridays, and we're doing uh, recorded Kofefis. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we missed yesterday because 
sorry. Um, but we are then doing deprogrammed only when there's something interesting about deprogrammed. So it's no longer scheduled every Thursday. So that's the new summary. And uh, I guess that's it. We'll see you all tomorrow. Take care, guys. Bye.